in the drawing room, a group of suspects gathered. The detective has solved the mystery. Ladies and gentlemen, the butler did it. <laughs> You'll never catch me. The butler darted to his getaway car. But what he didn't know is this is a Nissan sales event ad. Wait, what? And his car is no match for the detective's Nissan Rogue or its standard VC turbo engine. Save on one of your own at the Nissan Thrill of the Drive sales event. Now get 0% APR financing for 36 months on select models. Availability is limited. For well-qualified buyers, 0% APR financing for 36 months available on new 2023 Altima Rogue and Pathfinder when financed through NMAC must take delivery from new dealer stock. 36 months financing at $27.78 per month per thousand financed. Actual down payment may vary subject to residency restrictions and NMAC credit approval. Not all buyers qualified. Dealer contribution may affect actual price set by dealer. Contact dealer for details. Offer ends 2 Good music is what we want to hear. What do you mean, good music? It's what we dance to, what our children will dance to. And if you don't want to play it, then take your records and go home. Did you have a band? Good or bad? It's a great band. It's a bad band. It's like pizza, baby. It's good no matter what. There's music in the air. Welcome to Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media. I'm Jim DeRogatis, the pop music critic at the Chicago Sun-Times. And I'm Greg Cott. I write about rock and roll for the Chicago Tribune. Today on the world's only rock and roll talk show, uh, Jim, I'm feeling a little guilty because we've been hogging the Desert Island Jukebox every week of the show thus far. This week, we're going to share. Absolutely. Some of the musicians who visited us here in the studio got a chance to pick their favorite songs of all time, or at least the ones they would be stranded with today. You're listening to Sound Opinions, and time now for some music news. Listen to me, Mr. DJ, hear what I got to say. If a man is making music, they ought to let his records play. No matter where I go, I never hear my record on the radio. And it goes like this. There's a little Neil Young, Paola Blues. That can only mean one thing. We're about to give some news about the Paola <laughs> situation. But it's good news for once, right, Craig? Well, it's good news if you're a music fan, I think. Um, We've got sources saying that the four major radio companies are close to an agreement with the Federal Communications Commission, basically admitting that, yes, they have been taking pay-for-play for for the last few decades. They're going to pay $12 million in fines because of these offenses. And in addition, they're going to be giving away 8400 half-hour airtime segments to independent labels, independent musicians, basically the constituency that has been completely shut out of uh, commercial radio uh, for the last three decades. Only four major companies control all of radio these days. You know, consolidation has made it so that the, uh, you know, Light FM in Orlando is playing the same crap that the Light FM in Chicago and the one in, in Los Angeles and the one in Dallas. They're all playing the same thing. It's made it easier than ever for the major labels to go one-stop shopping to the one big radio corporation. Uh, here's a little deal. Would you please add, Jessica Simpson? It is an ongoing story. It has been going on for decades. Let's get a little perspective on this. What is different about this than previous payola investigations, previous payola agreements? Let's go to uh, Jenny Toomey who's the executive director of the Future of Music Coalition, a nonprofit group that addresses legal, technical, and policy issues affecting musicians, and uh, Michael Bracey, the policy director of that organization in Washington, D.C. Welcome to the show, Michael and Jenny. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us, Greg. Absolutely. And uh, as you both know, Congress and the Federal Communications Commission have been addressing payola for decades now. And there's a sense of, well, how is this any different than any of those other legal initiatives to stamp out payola. Is this, in fact, a major step forward, or is this just same old, same old, payola is just going to find another way to get started again in another mo- another few months? Well, you know, um, I suspect that there isn't a solution that will ever completely remove the possibility of payola from existing. But what I really like about the settlement is there are theoretically new structures put in place which actually give the public a a better chance of paying attention to what's actually happening on the radio. And I think the combination of these new rules, this new oversight, and the Internet makes it very, very hard to do illegal things. And so I'm optimistic that this is a really good first step to stamping out payola. So you think the average music fan 
who listens to commercial radio on a sort of a casual basis is going to notice a difference? Well, it's hard to know. You know, what we've really been fighting for, though, is, is, is to, to basically address the fact that in an era of, of massive radio consolidation, where now 10 companies control roughly two-thirds of advertising dollars and listeners, there really have, have emerged a whole series of practices that have had the, the practical effect of essentially barring independent music, music release and independent labels from significant airplay. And, and, and really what we're hoping to accomplish in this deal and, and what we're most excited about are the large broadcasting chains voluntarily going forward to the FCC and saying, look, this whole kind of bucket of, of practices that we've been engaging in, ways that we've been receiving money and consideration from record labels to be, make their songs eligible for airplay, we're not going to do that anymore. Now, can that be enforced? You know, we're going to have to see how it goes and how it plays, but, but it's a commitment that we take seriously and we appreciate. We're talking to Jenny Toomey and Michael Bracey of Future of Music Coalition. I don't know if you guys watched the uh, PBS series that recently aired in, in uh, several parts uh, where Lowell Bergman examined the state of the media. Uh, it was called News Wars. But he made the point that since the FCC kind of losing its teeth over the last 25, 30 years very slowly, that this idea that the airwaves are supposed to serve the public has been eroding at a ridiculous pace. Are we seeing this as the first uh, sign of the FCC getting some teeth and trying to inject a bit of that community service model back into the airwaves? I'm not sure that's the case. What you have to recognize is it, with this particular issue with Paola is, is that the FCC is a very peculiar organization. And the reason we got to this point was that you had one FCC commissioner in particular, who uh, Jonathan Edelstein, who even though he served in, in the minority, he cares very deeply about the music community. He understands music at a very serious level, and he really has worked for years to, to raise this issue and, and to force the commission to do something. That was compounded by the work of Senator Russ Feingold, who, again, was a bulldog and introduced legislation to uh, update the payola laws and just state on the issue. And then finally, you had the Attorney General of New York State, who's now the governor, Elliot Spitzer, actually uh, do a formal investigation and, and negotiated settlements with the major record labels. What happened is that the FCC got put into a box. You know, the, the leadership maybe didn't want to do much on this issue, but they were forced to because of the set of circumstances. And, and frankly, because the, you know, in an era of open information and transparency, you can't keep these things secret anymore. So I, I'm, not, I'm not sure that, I mean, we're, we're pleased with the settlement. We're cautiously optimistic that this will help on the margins. We're hopeful that it, it is going to make a difference if it's fully enforced and serve as a model, but we're going to have to wait and see. We want to thank Michael Bracey and uh, Jenny Toomey for being on Sound Opinions. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much. Thanks so much. All right, the perspective I have on this, Jim, is that it's uh, 10, 15 years too late. I think commercial radio 10 or 15 years ago was the 800-pound gorilla in the room. You could not avoid it. But I think a lot of independent musicians, independent labels, have found a way to go around the big gorilla Absolutely. and figure out a way to get their music out there through the Internet and other means. Internet radio, satellite radio, uh, just on the web. Greg, we also wanted to get the perspective from the indie labels themselves. So we talked to several people at some of the most respected indies in the country to hear what they have to say about the settlement. I'm Jim Powers, and I'm the owner of Minty Fresh Records in Chicago. I, I mean, I don't think that... You know, any change is really going to be so much due to any governmental efforts or settlements as much as just larger market forces such as digital distribution, the fact that you know you can now reach people that are, are genuinely interested in your music and not try and go for those kind of lowest common denominator means of exposure, which is what you know, commercial radio really is. So I, I don't see that changing per se, but I think it's, it becomes less relevant and I'm, I'm more hopeful than I ever have been in terms of getting exposure for new music. It's Bettina Richards, and I work at Thrill Jockey Records. It's something that I see a glimmer of opportunity in, but I wouldn't say I'm changing how I approach radio drastically because of it. Because independent really describes not a type of music, but a distribution system. It, it encompasses such a wide variety of music that I think commercial radio is valuable to definitely certain segments of the independent sector. But for what many labels do, and if you're thinking of more indie rock, I think it's it's hard to compete with the exposure that, that the internet gives you. This is Peter Gordon. I'm the CEO and founder of Thirsty Year Recording. The independent community, these are the mom and pops of the music world. And 
this is a chance for them to be able to be exposed to a broader audience. And lo and behold, maybe they're, they're going to hold up just as well as uh, the latest hit band. You know, the listener is interesting because uh, the listener only knows whether they like it or they don't like it. They don't know if there's a push behind it or a major label or an indie promoter or what the gatekeepers are. They just go, yeah, that's good or that sucks. We're looking at this as a positive step forward. I think you can look at it as like, you know, who cares? Systems are embedded. No matter what you, you do, it doesn't really matter. We're saying no, that people are subject to change. Uh, we have an industry that we know is, is in crisis on all levels. And we need to look for ways of coming together, banding together, and fight the good fight. And this is an excellent example of maybe it's strange bedfellows, but here we are. So let, let's go do it. Greg, that's the uh, perspective from the indie label side of things. Uh, me, I'm skeptical. I, I'm, I, I'm glad we got this news on shutting down Payola, uh, but I think it's going to just come back if we're all just <laughs> plugging our brains into the USB port and downloading stuff. It's still going to somebody's going to find a way to pay somebody off as far as what we get to download. Yep, Payola is the cockroach of the music industry. It always comes back. You cannot kill it. I tell you, little buddy, this whole island is bewitched. Each week, as you know, Jim and I take turns picking a Desert Island Jukebox record, a record we cannot live without. And Jim, it's it's very much of the moment. Uh, it's it's not a record for all time necessarily, the greatest record we've ever heard. It's a record we love that day, and we can't get it out of our head, and we want to take it somewhere with us and play well, play it all day. Well, I don't know if I'd define it that way. I'd say that it's, this is a record that, that we would uh, you know go to the mattresses saying this is oh, a classic you can absolutely. never live. But but we don't want to limit ourselves to only you know the one song. It's it's the song for that day because. Our jukebox would have you know a couple yeah. ten thousand some odd tracks, and every musician we've ever talked to is the same way. I mean, this is an old game; it's been played on the BBC. There's a great book of rock criticism called Stranded that does this game. So when we have artists that we admire in the studio, we, we generally end the interview by asking them what track they would bring to the desert island. And like us, I think the best answers are: this is on my mind right now because yeah. I'm thinking about this, and this is how this music plays into that. So over the course of this special desert island jukebox. Retrospective. We're going to hear from some of the uh, best artists we've had on Sound Opinions, our favorite guests. Absolutely, Jim. We've got Julian Casablancas of The Strokes, Robin Hitchcock with Peter Buck and Scott McCoy of REM, Lupe Fiasco, and super producer John Bryan, among others. But let's start with one of the most important bands of this generation. I don't think I'm overstating it. Radiohead. When Tom York was touring America behind his solo album, The Eraser, last June, he and Johnny Greenwood, the guitarist from Radiohead, came in to see us. We had to get some selections from these guys, and they did not disappoint us. Uh, definitely not conventional picks. You know, we, we do this thing, but it's only with people we really like, and, and we like you guys, where we... Uh, it doesn't involve nudity, does it? Yeah, no, it no, does. no, no, no. No, 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 that's true. You're behind the panel, oh, you yeah. get nude. Uh, where we do a Desert Island Jukebox selection where we each, either of us pick a song that uh, on this particular week we couldn't, at this particular moment, we couldn't live without. You have to play Rock Critic for a minute. Um, crumbs. Scott Walker. Oh, the new one mm-hmm. or, or classic? No, um, three and four at the moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If I'm if I'm uh, feeling a bit lost, put Scott's voice in my head. See, Americans, Tom, are are uh, you know I think completely still to this day uh, haven't caught on with Scott Walker, even even beyond. Like, but anybody, so, so give us the, the thumbnail. Why Scott into, Walker? Anybody's into Radiohead. It's like, well, I'm sorry, part of the equation is Scott Walker. Mm-hmm. You know. That's it's just part of where we come from, isn't it? So far ahead of his, his time in, in so many ways, you know, soul. I could see psychedelia, that. pop. I mean, he the was, orchestration and stuff like that. Yeah, impossible to categorize, really. Mm-hmm. The, the the orchestration, especially at the moment, is is just driving me crazy. And the fact that they used to do so many of the recordings, um, you know, where he'd sing it live with the orchestra, 
and you can hear uh, everything coming down the vocal mic, you know, and um, and when you put that in your headphones, it's just absolutely extraordinary sound. How about a particular track from three and four? Uh, the old man's back in town. Um, the old man's back again. So here's Tom York's Desert Island jukebox pick, "The Old Man's Back Again" from Scott Walker. I seen a hand, I seen a vision. It was reaching through the clouds to risk a dream. The shadow crossed the sky and it crushed it to the ground just like a beast. The old man's back again. That was Tom York's D.I.J. pick. Then we asked his Radiohead bandmate, Johnny Greenwood, for his pick. What about you, Johnny? Um, this afternoon I was listening to uh, my favorite Sunny Youth album, Go. Oh, yeah. Ah. So um, Cool Thing or something would be, would be very, would be great. That is a, that is a, mm-hmm. that's the, that is a great song. And it is. Chuck D comes in in the middle. And, yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. Go came out at an exciting time because... Uh, <laughs> Sonic Youth, you know, suddenly there were this underground band, and suddenly their video was on MTV. Geffen, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that whole Geffen thing. Was, was that one of your uh, one of the things that inspired you, guitar-wise? Huh. Um, I, th- I think song and music-wise, yeah. You mm-hmm. kind of don't think of it as yeah. playing guitars. It's just, it's just a, a feeling it gives you. It's like a Christmas present from my, from my brother, actually, when I was 16, or you know, it came out. Mm. I just thought it was amazing. Mm-hmm. Still do. That's Johnny Greenwood's Desert Island Jukebox pick, Cool Thing by Sonic Youth. I'm with him on that. One of their best songs. 
We'll be right back on Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media with more of our DIJ special, including picks from REM's Peter Buck and Lupe Fiasco. This is Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media, and you're listening to a special guest Desert Island Jukebox show. Pumping it in through a spiky black fist. If she don't kiss you, you'll never be kissed. Olay. Greg, when it comes to knowing rock history, there are a few guests who've come in here uh, who could keep pace with us, like Robin Hitchcock, Peter Buck, and Scott McCoy. They all came in together when they were touring. These are guys who grew up collecting records obsessively. They still go out and scour record bins for old you know, 12-inch uh, vinyl uh, records. Uh, uh, they would have been rock critics, is the truth, if they hadn't become musicians. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And that was evidenced by Robin Hitchcock. I mean, I think there's three levels to these answers, Jim. I mean, there's the surface-level answer. It's kind of obvious. Then it, then there's the, the artist who goes a little bit deeper, and you go, wow, that's pretty impressive knowledge of music. And then there's Robin Hitchcock, who's got yeah. that third layer, <laughs> that sort of surreal, <laughs> subterrestrial level, and you go, wow. So you'll hear Robin's bizarre pick, and then those of Scott McCoy and Peter uh, if it was a song that I'd heard before, um, what would I take? I, I don't know that I'd want anything I'd heard before, actually. Um, <laughs> I might take something I didn't know about. Are you going to be like, difficult, huh? Okay. I might like take sort of the complete works of Dvorak. <laughs> and I'd, I would, in my last moments as a listening person develop a new experience you know because otherwise i'd just take stuff i know by heart like revolver and you know right i mean i could drop the needle on revolver and just play it to myself without actually having it in the room and you know i'd know exactly <laughs> when it finished so do i need it i don't know <laughs> right so it brings some new listening yeah yeah i like that idea i think it's the first person ever said that yeah, something that you've never heard before. Right, there you go. <laughs> well, that's what you say. You know, you, you, it's time to get out of the rock critic business if you don't believe that the best band in the universe right He's now is next forming one. in Schomburg next week. Is the next one. Right, 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 exactly. Although I do like the concept of you sitting on the desert island and playing note for note revolver in your head without it actually <laughs> yeah. being there. I think that's kind of a cool idea. I don't think too. I wouldn't be the only person that could do it. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. It's also the answer to why there's electricity on the island. There is no electricity. <laughs> yeah. It solves any multitude of problems. Right. All right, Scott, you're going to have to top Robin's answer. That was oh, pretty good. Oh, boy. Um, I don't know. Um, how about Walking in the Rain by the Ronettes? Mm. <laughs> I could listen to that That's forever. pretty cool. I could never never get sick of that. The drama, the pathos. Is that, <laughs> yeah. is that Walking in the Rain with the one I love or my mind? How does it go? With the one I love. Yeah, how, how does no, Walking no, in the Rain... Walking in the rain, yeah. wishing I'd stop above and being so in love. Yeah. I recognize that <laughs> voice. <laughs> it's got yeah, that I Hal know. Blaine drum beat, too.
That's pretty awesome stuff. The Ronettes, uh, pretty amazing. Uh, I was going to say so much wine by the Handsome Family, but then Walking in the Rain popped into mm-hmm. my head in the instant. What about you, Peter? Well, I was thinking about it, and there's a song that I've listened to for probably 30 years now, and it never ceases to mystify me. So if it's mystified me for 30, it can probably last. It's a song by Dion, the, you know, from Dion the Bellman. It's the B-side of Abraham, Martin, and John, and it's a studio jam with him singing called Daddy Roland. And hmm. it's, if they have a Delta on Mars, this is the kind of blues <laughs> they'd be playing there. It's, 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 you can tell it's made up in the studio because half the band thinks their chord changes and the other half doesn't. So like two of the guys just stay on the A and the other guys wander up to the D and the E. And he just improvises these kind of blues lyrics over the top, but he kind of wails them. It's... Hmm. It's one of the most amazing pieces of music I've ever heard. Wow. Um, it's it's on a, this Dion box set now, but for years and years, it was only available as the B-side of Abraham, Martin, and John. So every time I'd see that record in the thrift store for a dime, I'd buy it and give it to someone. I gave it to Scott. <laughs> I gave it to Scott Litt. I gave it to Pat McCarthy. Yeah. Robin, I may have given you one. I, I mean, I've probably yet, given yet. away 100 copies of that single. Yeah. And everyone, to this, everyone that hears it just goes, God, that's just unbelievable. Yeah. This is why Peter Buck would have been the greatest rock critic. <laughs> he wanted to make a legitimate living. But between you know, Lester Bangs and the two of us, if we'd <laughs> actually become a rock <laughs> critic. The, the, reason, the reason that I could not be a rock critic is because you quite often have to listen to music you don't like. And to me, that is just yeah. torture. It's one of the reasons I don't go to dinner parties, because someone else has control <laughs> of the stereo. Yeah. It's like, first of all, they're cooking for me, and then i got to deal with that. And then on top of everything else, they always play something that I just have to... You know, only a really dumb person would play this record. I just can't say that. <laughs> it's a physical sensation to me. Really bad music just, I mean, it makes me really pissed off and, you know, and, <laughs> in, in a way that just almost nothing else other than, like, traffic and, and root canal work does. That's Peter Buck's Desert Island Jukebox pick. He's going to the uh, Tropical Island, Greg, with Daddy Rolling in Your Arms by Dion. Before that, Scott McCoy gave us Walking in the Rain by the Renettes. And Robin Hitchcock is, you know, listening to the voices in his head, which <laughs> happened to be playing Revolver by the Beatles. You're listening to Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media, and we're letting some other people play rock critic today. It's a special Desert Island Jukebox pick show filled with selections of some of our favorite musical guests. Oh. What up, y'all? Y'all ain't know, I go by the name of Lupe Fiasco, representing that first and 15. Next up, Jim, we have an artist who uh, made one of the great debut albums of 2006, Lupe Fiasco's Food and Liquor. Uh, Lupe Fiasco, a.k.a. Muhammad Wasulu Jaco, a man of wide-ranging taste. Hip-hop artist for sure, 
But uh, kind of a mind-blowing choice for a Desert Island jukebox pick. Oh, absolutely. When Lupe came here in September, his Desert Island jukebox pick completely came from Mars. <laughs> if I was going to a desert island on a nice yacht stocked with <laughs> all of the fine meats and cheeses from around the world, um, and I had to take one song, I would take Johnny Cash... Um, who else is on that? Chris, Chris Christopherson, um, Waylon Jennings, and um, what's the other guy? The one who smokes all the weed. Willie Nelson. Willie Nelson. I do Highway Man. Yeah. Wow. Why? I love Johnny Cash mm-hmm. for some reason. I love everything about him. Um, so the song The Highwayman. Yeah. The Highway Man by The Highway Man. Yeah. yeah. I know what you're, yeah. I would, wow. I would do that. I, I wow. would play that. What is when did you hear that song? When did you first hear that song? As a kid or, or what? No, no, no. I just got into I just got into my Johnny Cash era over the past like year and a half. Um I picked up the um the Rick Rubin produced yeah. Legends of Johnny Cash right, yeah. and they just released Legends of Johnny Cash too, which is whatever. Um but part one mm-hmm. is amazing. And to get into his story and to understand the things that he did and it's like I can it's like his music it, it speaks to me to a certain respect. It, the man in black is the reason why I wear black at all my shows now. To know why he wore all black and he wore for the poor and the lonely old. And, you know, yeah. you know, it keeps going on. But I just love Johnny Cash for some reason. Him and Nas, I, to me, are two of, the, <laughs> <laughs> two of like the greatest storytellers. You know what I'm saying? Whether, yeah. whether Johnny Cash wrote, wrote yeah. his own songs or not. Um, the songs that he sung and, and the way they were presented was just dope. If only Johnny hadn't died, he could have done one of those uh, Rick Rubin records of a Nas song. I would have liked to have heard that. Yeah, yeah, there you go. That would have been fresh. Hip-hop is... Yes. I Gave You Power. <laughs> Johnny Cash doing I Gave You Power off it was written. That would be Is fresh. that the one where he's uh, impersonating a bullet? Yeah, he's a gun. Yeah, he's a gun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> awesome. That is an awesome song. But Johnny Cash, he's got a, he's got a yeah. body count on his yeah. records, too. He's, oh, he's, yeah. He killed, he killed Delia. The original gangster. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's Delia's a death. wicked song. The original, yeah. original gangster. <laughs> yeah, but it would be the, how, it would be the highway man. Wow. I was a highway man Along the coach roads I did ride With sword and pistol by my side Many a young maid lost her baubles to my trade Many a soldier shed his lifeblood on my blade Masters hung me in the spring of 25 But I am still alive I fly a starship Across the universe divide And when I reach the other side I'll find a place to rest my spirit if I can Perhaps I may become a highwayman again Or I may simply be a single drop of rain But I will remain I'll be back again and again and again Yes, Lupe Fiasco choosing that song, The Highwayman by The Highwaymen. So uh, digging deep for a, <laughs> a country hit from the 80s. Uh, not the first thing you'd think of when you think of Johnny Cash, but uh, Lupe Fiasco, uh, as evidenced by his uh, debut album, uh, a man uh, who listens to a wide variety of music and incorporates it in interesting ways. I had a chance to sit down with Julian Casablancas of The Strokes when they came through Chicago in support of their third album in January of 2005. Yeah, Jim, that was a good opportunity for you. I was not there. I was uh, coaching my daughter's basketball team, which you guys both gave me grief about, but I'll I'll forgive you for that because I was very Uh, interested. Some of us have our priorities (laughs) straight, all right? But I was very interested to hear what Julian uh, came up with as a uh, Desert on Jukebox pick. I can only choose one song. Yeah, right. With the proviso, you know, the provision that this is at this moment in time. You know, this is my one choice. Oh, God. If I, I would probably, I don't know, it sounds cheesy, but I'd probably uh, choose a, 
I was in a, I was in a, I was in a, I have a dictaphone where I record, and I was in a hotel in, we were in Spain playing a show there, and uh, there was like some like piano person mm-hmm. in a lady, piano lounge, kind the, of thing. yeah, and she was playing the Moonlight Sonata, hmm. and it was, but it was like I had to walk past a party to like get to it, you know, and so I was recording, and it's like you know, celebrate good time, <laughs> and then like that fades away, and then it cuts into Moonlight Sonata. Yeah, so I just sort of recorded it just for fun. It was, I don't know, I probably that song. Wow. So the dictaphone recording of a lady in a Spanish bar playing Moonlight Sonata. Mm-hmm. Now, see, that would, you know, you're supposed to choose Iggy Pop or the Velvet Underground or Blondie. But I like that. What was it? Is, was, was it a time and place thing? I don't know. Or do, you, or do you really get off on that song? It's really well well made. It's really, uh, yeah, it's really, it's a good a good piece of thing. Sonata by Beethoven, Julian Casablanca's never failing to amaze <laughs> with a well, selection that goes deep, the Vladimir Horowitz version. Yeah, I'll tell you why, Greg, why it goes so deep. You know, uh, Julian doesn't say a lot in interviews. Sometimes it can kind of be hard to get him to open up, but he's actually uh, making a very funny comment there. The Strokes got no end of crap from critics who reviewed their third album and pointed out that Razorblade stole from Barry Manilow's Oh Mandy. Yeah. It turns out that Barry Manilow got a lot of crap in his day from ripping off Moonlight Sonata by Beethoven for his song, Could It Be Magic? <laughs> so, so you know, I think Casablanca was really making a joke about how everybody steals from everything all the time and lay off me. It didn't even kick in until later on when I was thinking about why did he choose that song? In a minute on Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media, we'll have more of our special guest Desert Island Jukebox show, hearing from producer, songwriter, soundtrack king John Bryan, and the great young rapper Rhymefest. Listening to Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media. We're phoning it in this week, letting other people, our guests, do the heavy lifting. People who've come by the show are picking their Desert Island jukebox selections, and uh, it's it's good fun. Our next guest, Jim, is one of those secret weapons in the music industry, one of the great behind-the-scenes players of the last 10, 15 years, multi-instrumentalist, songwriter, arranger, producer for people like Kanye West, Amy Mann, and Fiona Apple. That's John Bryan. 
Greg, he doesn't tour much, but he came to Chicago to play a big music festival last summer. While he was here, he came in. He did a taping with us in front of a live studio audience. I always opt out of this one because I can never do it. I'm too much of a music lover. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just all my life listening to stuff. So, I mean, even when people have gone like, you know, your, your top ten... It's usually like, okay, well, let's see. The complete works of Billy Holiday, the complete works yeah. of the Beatles, <laughs> complete works of Bob Dylan, uh, and complete works of Hank Williams. Yeah. And just, you know, I. No, but I, we we, quali- we qualify it. What what you know if you uh, when you leave here and you get in uh, the cab and and mm-hmm. you you know have a, di- a burning desire to hear a tune right now. You know, so it's the mood of the moment. We won't yeah, even I'm say so of the day anymore. Right well, now. you know, I gotta yeah. I have to say for people who have not seen John do a show, it, it's remarkable because he'll find these avenues that you never thought you'd go down. Like songs that I absolutely knew I hated. I, I thought there's no way I would ever want to hear this song performed by anyone. And one that uh, springs to mind that you've done at Largo that just completely, like, changed my mind about something was, uh, and I'm still not sure I would ever want to hear the original, but I'd love to hear your version of it, was uh, that Captain and Tennille song? Oh, my God. <laughs> Muskrat Love? No, I no, think it was Love, God, will, no. Love, Love Will Keep Us Together, right? It's a great song. I, and it's like, That's, he's doing it, Captain and Tennille, yeah, and he's actually making me kind of like it. But it's great, and the lyric's totally on topic. <laughs> I mean, it's actually really kind of great, and there's all this great stuff about, you know, yeah. vanity in there. Like, somebody saying that as an expression of love, like, yeah, I'm going to be around, you know, and it, and by the way, you look fantastic right now, and that's not going to be the case, and you're going to lose that as a power to persuade people, and I'm still going to be here. So, you know, yeah, take note. Kudos to me, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's it's a great melody, and I also just think it's a great record i mean it's one of those things there are certain records the first second they come on it just has its greatness whether you like it or not it's uh, you know it's self-evident and that record has a sound it has very definitive hooks and you can't actually i mean you got to give it credit that's a very creative record there's not another record that sounds like it and even they didn't specifically Make a bunch of things that sounded like it afterwards. That was yeah. that particular moment in time for them. Oh my God, John Bryan justifying his very unconventional love for uh, Love Will Keep Us Together by Captain and Tennille. That's wrong. It's just wrong. <laughs> you know, the only good thing that can be said about the Captain and Tennille is that Tony Tennille sang Back Up on the Wall by Pink Floyd. <laughs> Other than that, the entire career can be dismissed.
Straight out of high school, we didn't know what to do. Wanted to go to college, but no money was nothing new. Wanted to get away, go see the world and do something new. He got approached in the mall by the army recruit. Told him if you want to go to school, we got money too. Sign up at 18, you'll be out when you're 22. He joined the army airborne, got his uniform with the boot camp. Got some discipline, I rock this when they're shipping them. He's in the midst of war, bullets flying and missing them. Wishing he was a kid again with his family in Michigan. The man you just heard from, John Bryan, has worked with the next man you're going to hear from, the rapper Rhymefest. His uh, album, Blue Collar, one of the best of uh, last year. Here's a man who, even before his first album came out, had already won a Grammy Award. He had co-written Kanye West's Jesus Walks. Here's Rhymefest's choice, and I think he was really happy not to pick a rap song. The one song that I know that I never get tired of hearing is All I Do by Stevie Wonder. You set my heart on burning fire. You're coming to be my one desire. Oh, man, I do. I'll be on that island jamming and dancing, <laughs> eating coconut, drinking coconut milk. And, oh, man. Now, what is it about that song? Just the groove, the, the lyrics? What, what is it about it that you it's, love? Buddy, those are the days when you could put message, lyrics, and groove together. The thing about Stevie Wonder and Marvin Gaye and that era of music is, you know, I I, I listen to that. I listen to Robert Johnson and Nina Simone and Nat King Cole. You know, isn't it great after being out late, walking my baby back home, arm in arm over meadow and farm, walking my baby back home. We go along harmonizing a song or I'm reciting a poem. Piles go by and they give me the eye, walking my baby back home. Like, that was... That was lyrics. That was like, that was like, you didn't have to say, I want to it in your booty girl, in your booty girl, it in your booty girl. <laughs> it was like, yo, you, you can actually like infer something and know what he was talking about. We stopped for a sec. She started to sweat. Uh, something she slept with her hand on my chest. She says, if I try to kiss her, she'll cry. I dried her tears all through the night. I was like, yo, he. <laughs> he got her. Like, what happened to that? That ain't like I want to ride you like my Jeep. Yeah, that's what, yo, I would take all I do because all I do has the, the, the lyrics and he got calm and he got hype and he's talking about something and, mm. and she set his heart on burning fire. She's beginning to be his only one desire. If you're beginning all that matters to me, because all I do is think about and he just he couldn't take it no more and broke out. You know, That's music. I am. We're not, we're not having him back to, to rap. I'm, we're going to have him back to be a rock yeah, critic. I was going to say, I'm, yeah, I'm very <laughs> disappointed because he's just not passionate enough about that song. Uh, that's he's what just we like, like, he's that's, so laid back about the whole that's, thing. That's the kind of criticism we now, now you see what happens when you stop talking about rap and you start talking about other stuff. <laughs> I'm like, yo. Too much. 
Rhymefest really into that Stevie Wonder track. Uh, and one of the few people, you know, you think most people go back to those 70s Stevie Wonder records for uh, a reference point. Uh, he goes for Hotter Than July, which was kind of after the, uh, the golden era of Stevie Wonder. This is Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media, and you're listening to a special guest Desert Island Jukebox show. Remember G's Louise And all of the bedroom window screens Thrown away for our teenage dreams Greg, when the wonderful psychedelic pop band Granddaddy ended, Jason Lytle continued to make some great music on his own. We're wishing him luck in his solo career. He came by here and he chatted with us and he played for us. And then we asked him about his Desert Island jukebox pick. Yeah, it was a very interesting choice. Uh, there was synergy in the room that day, Jim, because you and I had just talked about this band. We loved the, the new music that they were putting out. And Jason Lytle, lo and behold, was on the same page with us. Um, I would take a song called Roscoe by a band called Midlake. Ooh. Oh, good yes. answer. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> We're big Midlake fans. I just planted the seed I love, to have them come I on love, the show. I love that should album. Be. Yeah. Love that album. Denton, Texas, kind of psychedelic, yeah. swirling. Amazing. Okay, tell us why. Yeah. Well, it goes back to that feeling thing. That they, I think that they've done a really good job at sort of creating worlds within a world and creating feelings. And that song's a really good, um, I don't know, I'm, the chugging rhythm thing. I'm a big fan of, mm-hmm. and uh, the lyrics are just strange enough, but just at home enough, and all the instrumentation. It's uh, I think when I needed to get out of my mind, there would be enough elements in that song to do it, but if, when I needed to feel at home enough, there's enough elements as well, and I think they coexist like pretty well within that song. Yeah. Wow, wow we've been song. stumbling on how to describe that record. I think I think there's also we'll let a, him be the rock critic. You from can now on. you can do some rock criticing now too that you're free of Granddaddy. <laughs> I put that record on. I had no idea what they sounded like, who they were. I just put it on, and that first song. I think Roscoe's like right up there, maybe the first song on the record, right? And it was just like, wow, it's beautiful. It was like this dusky. I don't know. I, I kept think, I kept bringing up like Christine McVie, Fleetwood Mac. Kind of early seventies kind of you know vibe. I yeah, don't but know. cross with my bloody Valentine. Well, That's you know, yeah, it was that yeah. too. Yeah. Well, it's even the, the I don't know they're, they're the the album before that is actually really really good, and I actually kind of I kind of like it a little bit more right now. But the the production on the one that we're referring to right now is kind of giving it that sort of indie rock Christopher Cross thing. <laughs> wow. Denton, Texas band Midlake with a song called Roscoe, a, uh, a tune I think all of us would consider taking to the desert island. You, me, yeah. Greg, and uh, Jason Lytle. During the show, you heard a lot of live music from these guests that they play for us in the studio. You can go to our website to hear all of those performances as well as the entire interviews at soundopinions.org. What do we have next week on the show, Greg? 
Jim, another exciting extravaganza for you because uh, we're going to be reviewing a bunch of new albums, including the new ones from uh, LCD Sound System and Modest Mouse. Got some thank yous to say on the way out. As always, Sound Opinions is produced by Todd Bachman, Matt Spiegel, Jason Saldana, and Robin Lynn. Many of our guests were recorded by Mary Gaffney. And Tori Malatia, our fearless leader here at Chicago Public Radio, is a man I wouldn't mind being stranded with on the desert island, but only if he wore the grass skirt and the coconut bra. <laughs> <laughs> In case you missed any of our recent shows, here are some of the albums we've reviewed on Sound Opinions. Invisible like all the reeds, dark and cold like all the seas, things are not as you would have them, I'm no man and you're no that is a song with a very long title. <laughs> Mama, Won't You Keep Them Castles in the Air and Burning? From the second album by Clap Your Hands, Say Yeah, Some Loud Thunder is the name of the disc. I guess I hope to see you sometime Though our past will never end Again, I hope you notice I'm no hair and you're no tortoise they haven't made, I think, the, the beginning to end great album that they might have in them. I think if you put yeah. the best moments of the first album together with the best moments You'd of this great record, record, you have a great record. So we rate things on the buy it, burn it, trash it scale. I have to say, this is a burn it record for those good moments. The rest are skippable. Yeah, I would agree. A burn it record all the way. Some really, really great moments and some really, really Bad unlistenable ones. ones. <laughs> and I'm such That's Thriller from the new Fallout Boy record, Infinity on High, one of several songs I'm sure you're never going to be able to escape for about the next year. I, I admire this band, Jim. I have to say, I admire, I admire the way they've gone about their business. They now, are be, clearly ambitious. Can but you say I that don't, again? Can but you say I, that again? Because I've been fighting with you about Fallout Boy for years. You just, I, you no, wouldn't I, even I, reveal but them I, on, but the, I don't, on the show I don't think they me. pull it off. They sound like everyone but themselves. I don't oh, think there's a real true. personality underneath this band. And, oh, that's, and that's, I think that's what it's lacking. I think it's a big... Well done, craftsmanlike product. To be clear, this is bubblegum music, but it's exceptionally smart bubblegum music. On the one hand, you're saying they're not doing anything ambitious. On the other hand, you're saying they're doing a new romantic song as punk pop. That's ambitious. I yes, recommend that people buy, buy it, this. Burn one. it, trash it is how we rate things. This is a buy it album. I really think that this is a good, stupid, fun punk pop yeah, record. I, I, I cannot go there. I think there's a few nice singles on here that are worth burning, but it is definitely not a buy it record. I think it's a burn it at best. On Sound Opinions, everyone's a critic. Now it's time to hear what you have to say. New messages. Hi, this is Nick from Boston, and this is my Sound Opinion. I wanted to give a, a shout-out to you guys on this, uh, the February 16th show featuring Rocket to Russia. It is one of the greatest albums of all time. One of the things that I love about it so much is also the artwork by uh, Punk Magazine creator John Holmstrom. The illustrations are hilarious, and they just fit in perfectly with the spirit of the album. And I just wanted to comment on that. Thanks very much. Bye. Hello, gentlemen. This is Jeannie from Chicago. And I was so dismayed to hear you refer to some of the best whistling on an album since John Lennon. Now, I'll give John Lennon plenty of props being John Lennon, but I think you've forgotten about Mr. Andrew Bird from a very own Chicago who I can't imagine possibly being top 
when it comes to whistling on a recent album. Thanks. Split our own To give us your opinion on sound opinions, call our hotline, 1-888-859-1800. We'll be back next week with sound opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media. In the drawing room, a group of suspects gathered. The detective has solved the mystery. Ladies and gentlemen, the butler did it. (laughs) You'll never catch me. The butler darted to his getaway car. But what he didn't know is this is a Nissan sales event ad. Wait, what? And his car is no match for the detective's Nissan Rogue or its standard VC turbo engine. Save on one of your own at the Nissan Thrill of the Drive sales event. Now get 0% APR financing for 36 months on select models. Availability is limited. For well-qualified buyers, 0% APR financing for 36 months available on new 2023 Altima Rogue and Pathfinder when financed through NMAC must take delivery from new dealer stock. 36 months financing at $27.78 per month per thousand financed. Actual down payment may vary subject to residency restrictions and NMAC credit approval. Not all buyers qualify. Dealer contribution may affect actual price set by dealer. Contact dealer for details. Offer ends 228 23